Welcome to the Travel Royally Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Royal Lynx Golf Tours. If you're ready for your Lynx Golf Vacation, let us help with uh, planning that unforgettable golf vacation to Scotland, Ireland, England, or Wales. Visit us on our website at royallynxgolftours.com, and we really look forward to helping you. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Fraser Malcolm. He is the head professional at the Glen. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Travel Royally Podcast. Today, we're very excited to have with us on the Travel Royally Podcast, Fraser Malcolm from the Glen in Scotland in East Lothian. But before I introduce you to Fraser, I'd let me introduce you to the Glen. This is located in a golf-rich area of East Lothian. It's known as Scotland's Gulf Coast. And from Musselboro, the old course there, all the way out to Dunbar, there are roughly 20 links that dot that coast. It's a very rugged shoreline with some magnificent golf. And you could literally play three weeks straight and not play the same course um, in consecutive days along this 20 or 25-mile stretch of coast. Now, Fraser Malcolm's a PGA member, and he's been the head professional at the Glen for almost eight years. He spent much of his working life just across town at North Barracks West Links before moving the very short distance over to the Glen's East Lakes, East Links. Um, so, Fraser, welcome to the Travel Royally podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. I said East Lake because that's here in Atlanta. That that was my confusion. Um, but we're really happy to have you. We're excited to talk to you. And I had the opportunity to play your uh, beautiful course a little over a year ago, or a little less than a year ago, I should say. And uh, it was fantastic. We had a, a brilliant day, albeit windy and cold. Windy is what you want on a Lynx course, and we got our share of that. Yeah, so. Anyway. Yeah, we certainly have a lot of wind. That's one of the big factors here. There's no protection. If you can hit a low shot, it does help. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly the biggest defense the course has got. Well, I think the other thing um, are the beautiful views. And for those of you watching this versus just listening, you can see we've got the uh, photo from the Glen behind me. And it's a magnificent course with with absolutely stunning views. But let's start with you for a moment, Fraser. How did you come to golf in the first place? Um, well, it's funny. I didn't actually start playing until I was about 15. Um, we, I played lots of other sports up until that point, but I almost thought golf was a bit too boring and slow to that point. And then all my friends started getting to about the age of 15. And funnily enough, I was uh, living in New Zealand at that time. My dad had taken a job out there. We were only there for about three and a half years. So when I came back every year, all suddenly all my friends had started playing golf. Uh -huh. So I thought, I'm going to get left behind here. If I come back, I'm not playing golf. So just started playing and just got absolutely addicted and just thought, as soon as I got back to Scotland, I just kept playing. Um, and that was it, really, just, just picked on from there. What part of Scotland did you grow up in? Just this area. So Long was my village where I lived. Yeah. They've got a golf course there as well. Yeah. Um, and I lived literally across the road from the putting green at Long Golf Club. Um, and then we moved. When I got older, I obviously went to New Zealand, came back. And then I, 
I've lived in Aberlady, which has Kilspindy and Craigie Law. And also I li I've lived mostly in Gullin now for the last uh, 20 years. Yeah, well, and I play mostly at Gullin, actually. Uh, uh, here and then also at Gullin. What course do you like the most at Gullin? Um, I'd probably still say number one. I know a lot of people try to say number two is just as good, and it is pretty close. I think overall the experience at number one is just slightly better. It just feels slightly more special, some of the, the holes, and it's a bit... It's got a bit of a bigger feel, a grander scale of yeah. than number two. But number two is really good. Yeah. And uh, my kids all grew up playing number three as well. So I played there a lot and I really like number three. Quite interesting. Well, you've named, you know, a handful of the courses that are in that area. Kilspindy, Kill Gullen 1, 2, and 3, Craigie Law, Long Nidri. Uh, there's just more good golf there than than people know about or can imagine. At least people from the states, anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's a few headline ones like Muirfield and North Berwick West, but there's other ones. Yeah, there's a lot of other courses that are really well. Yeah, I, I've played most of the courses in that area, um, and I think you know, I think they're all special. They're each has a unique experience about it. Yeah. yeah. I think if you stick to, like you said, post, postal courses, if you're coming from the States overseas, I think when you come to Scotland, really what you're looking for is that seaside golf experience. And I think most of, firstly, all of the ones along that coast can't really go too far wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So really what led to your becoming a PGA professional? Um, well, I was just so mad keen, but I thought better get some qualifications behind me, and I went off to university in Edinburgh. I did uh, communication, marketing, PR, advertising, that sort. Then after I finished that, I still just thought I want to do something I enjoy, and I took the plunge and sent out my resume to the local golf courses and managed to get a job at the Westlands under David Hush, who was the famous pro there, really good player, um, captain of the PGA and all this. So, yeah, I just started there, and then I moved on to do the buying for the whole shop. And, and I was there really when the Westlands really started to take off. I remember when, we, when I first started, about 95, we were, if you spoke to the people that were playing it, they would have a list of, say, Dunbar, Gullen 1, Midtree, then they'd be on to other places. But they wouldn't be playing maybe Royal Troon, Carnoustie, uh, Kings, well, Kings Mars wasn't there at the time, um, all the top ones. And, and, and the West, North America West, felt like it was just maybe in that slightly lower tier to the very, very top. And then as time went on, we just began, we began reeling off Muirfield, Nair, and all these places, all these top, top courses that were, it was now joining and obviously getting on these lists. And, and it was interesting to see it sort of evolve. It was kind of, it just felt like word of mouth and maybe articles in magazines and yeah. journals and that sort of thing. So, 
the yeah. fuel. Uh, and I kind of see parallels with this place, if I'm being honest. The other thing you noticed at the West was how many caddy rounds suddenly started getting requests for. So it went from maybe 10, 10 caddies a day to, to 30. And now I believe it's like 100 plus in a yeah. day you get. And we're seeing that here. We're seeing, you know, it used to be virtually a handful of caddies a year. Now suddenly you're getting caddies a day, something like that. You know, it's not in the Westwood yet. But you can see it starting to just move in that direction. Well, I think, first of all, the demand for tea times over there has gone through the roof. The The levels of demand are, are crazy. And I think there are tour, tour operators like us that like to put people into an area that they can use as their base and play a lot of golf around a single area. And we yeah. tell our clients there are really five areas of Scotland for golf. You've got the West, kind of Troon and Turnberry and Prestwick and the Gales and all those. You've got the Lothians, where you are. You've got Fife, where St. Andrews is. You've got Aberdeenshire, where you've got all those courses that dot the coast there. And then you've got the Highlands and the Islands, you know, that, go, that stretch from maybe Cullen, you know, through Inverness, up through past Dornock. They're getting another course there. I saw the Cool Links got approved, or which would be great. Um, I understand Trump wants to build another course. Uh, they're potentially building another course at Dumbarney. Um, you know, Nicholas is building a course south of Aberdeen. And, you know, the, I, I think for your area... The fact that there's so much good golf, as I said at the outset, you could you could stay there for three weeks and not play the same course twice, and and have a great experience every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, well, tell us a little bit about the club itself, about the Glen Club. Yeah, well, I mean, suppose the first thing I say about it is that we we're starting to realize that. You know, the name Glen isn't actually probably doing us enough justice. So we're starting to use the term North Berwick Eastwood. So you'll, you'll hear the starters answer the phone like that. We've got just been approved with this new logo, which says North Berwick Eastwood. So it still has Glen GC in the middle. Yeah. But the, the history, if you look at the course, um, you know, well, before I go into that, 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 that name, Northberg East Links basically tells you where you are and what type of experience you're going to get. Whereas right. Glen Golf Club, you might have to dig into it a little bit more to find out what you're going to get. Whereas right. Northberg East Links just says it all basically. We're in the town, as you know, we've got as much right to use the name Northberg as anybody else. Yeah. So why not capitalize on that? So that's the way we're starting to go. And funnily enough, the golf course, when it was first opened, was actually called the North Berwick Borough Course. And it was it was open because the Westlake was, was becoming overcrowded. And they needed another 18 holes. And there was already nine holes here, um, sort of 
initially called roads offing links, and it played in a slightly different direction. In fact, I think they played the thirteenth, which is that C hole, right? Three, which we come to backward. So there's been this change in about 1930 where they brought in this name Glen Golf Club. That pertains to a little wooded rock that is just to the right of the first tee, which takes you up and away from the golf course, like a Victorian ladies' walk uh -huh. uh, with a stream running through it in the forest. That's the Glen, what people call the Glen in North America, because we were beside that, I think. Probably for marketing reasons in the 1930s, they changed it to Glen because they wanted to differentiate themselves from the restaurant. But now with all the overseas market, you need to probably go back the other way and say, well, actually, no, it's North Berwick and it's East. So that's the first thing. I mean, you can still call it the Glen in this podcast. It's no problem. I won't be offended or anything. But we're trying to move towards that. Yeah, well, um, I, I yeah. love that idea. How many members do you have there? We've got 750, we're in that number. Um, we've got a two-year waiting list now, which you know, when I first started here, we were actually actively seeking members still. Yeah. COVID came along and we were completely run over with requests, and that's continued on, actually. You know, a lot of building in this area as well, a lot of new houses going in. So yeah. Yeah, we're, we're full to the brim now. That's exciting. It's only eight hundred pounds a year. So I know in golf in the states, that's, that's like yeah. giving it away. Yeah. yeah well, um, you're about the same price as uh, Murray is up in where I'm a member. Right. Although I pay as an overseas member, I think it was three hundred and fifty pounds this year. Right. Yeah. Um, um, well, you've got a you've got a beautiful clubhouse with with great views. The dining room overlooks uh, the Firth there, and it's it's lovely. Yeah, it's it's probably the nicest outlook to eat in the whole of North Berwick because there are, funnily enough, many restaurants that actually look out onto the sea. You've really, only got uh, Bird Centre at the edge by the harbour, which is kind of just a cafe. Over the view, even from the west, not quite as expansive as they are here. But it's, it's a really nice sector. Yeah. Really yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's. I think it's a uh, a beautiful clubhouse. Um, and, and as I said, I really enjoyed the the golf. But if someone were were traveling over there for the first time. You know, and that's an unfamiliar part of Scotland for them. Tell them exactly where the East Li East Links in North Berwick is located. <laughs> so it's about 25 miles outside of Edinburgh. So you fly into Edinburgh uh, and you can get the train from Edinburgh to North Berwick if you want to, which is great. Not all the villages, it doesn't pass through all the villages around here. Like Gullen doesn't have a train. Right. Um, Neither does have a lady. Um, so, yeah, it's good from that point. Um, but, yeah, it's there's hotels out here. There's plenty of places to stay, really nice places. But you're you're right on the coast. You're, as the crow flies, you're probably a few hours. Uh, no, you're probably 
minutes from St Andrews, but you've got drive round, so it's about two right. hours away from right. there. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a good location. You know, it's pretty easy to get to from Edinburgh, and yeah, you as well. Well, I think you you all have a lot to be proud of. You know, the course is a top 100 course in Scotland. As I said earlier, it, it literally has some of the best views, in my mind, in all of Scotland. Um, I think it's your fourth. And now I got the holes confused. It might be the 13th hole, the par three. Um, that's one of the best par threes in the country. So tell us from your perspective, what makes East Links so special? And I still think it's one of the most underrated courses in the area. And I think it probably suffered from kind of image problem with it being a council course for most of its life. And that actually could have been something it was really proud of because it apparently inspired people in America to build local authority owned courses and also in other parts of the world, in Australia and New Zealand as well. Yeah. Recently, that we, we inspired that kind of uh, building in other, in other countries. So it became run, basically they had a membership running, but the course was kind of funded by the council. It was, the greenkeepers were employed by the council and it was a council of course. And in that respect, almost didn't have all the slickness and the bells and whistles that made maybe a private club as glamorous and glitzy as you would you maybe be expecting somewhere. Right. It is now in the same uh, it's the same build as the Westlings. You've got the course still owned by the council but leased to basically a, a private club with certain conditions that it has to be open to visitors from a certain period of time. You can't just close it off to your members. So, but it's just operating in the same way as many clubs do in And it's actually... So, once that that started, that moved, and that was fairly recent times happened in the 90s. Yeah. Um, the official legal from strength to strength, I think, um, you know, we're starting to get more and more notoriety, starting to realize that potentially you've got, as I see it, one of the best two stop, one town golf course combinations that you can get anywhere. You know, if you, if you stop in North Berwick, you should really kind of play both of them. You're missing out, as I see it. And there's probably been too many people over the years simply come and play the West Lakes and then moved on to they haven't, they've bypassed they haven't known about um, so we're starting to get uh, more notoriety, I mean I've um, got a YouTube channel Golf FM and I, I did a, a, a drone uh, film which massively helped, we've got that on the website now when you, when you log on you see overhead the Believable views and the location, and it's that's helping really sell. Um, so, all these sorts of things now that we're finally doing that maybe we should be doing a long time ago didn't really have the infrastructure, right? Place to do it, it's 
starting to happen. You know, we had a really nice article in uh, Top Points book uh, for Scotland. It was almost a full chapter where yeah. it talks about which uh, a lot of people that when they're playing, you know, they'll come in and say, oh, I read the book. And, um, yeah. So, so all these things are starting to snowball and help, help the place. But it's a course which obviously the views and it's almost from the word go till the end. There isn't probably anywhere on the course where you can wait and you can see either the town or the sea or the Bass Rock or Tantalan Castle all the way around. It's constantly everywhere you turn your head. It's just this vista and you like to see. And then the course itself is not so difficult that it's going to beat you up. I mean, when the wind's blowing, probably would want me to do that back, but there's a little bit more room in some of the courses. You're not going to constantly lose your ball in knee-high rough. Right. Going to the rough, you, the knee-high stuff, you kind of deserve it because you're quite far off the beaten track. Yeah. There's a, there's a playability to it, but also variety because the holes, there's no two holes the same. I think it's got one of the best Combinations of par threes actually in the area. Yeah. Individually, and they're all different. They all have their own unique character and backdrop, the way that they play. And for that, sometimes you go to a golf course and really the par threes aren't that much different. But here they really are and stand out for them. And then it's got some really memorable holes at the third where you're right by the side of a cliff, um, hitting down, almost like the seventh at Pebble Beach, likened to that hole. Um, and then other tee shots, like the very next hole, the 14th of the back tee. Make sure you play that off the white. I always say to people, that's the one hole you should play off the whites because it completely changes it. You've either got a blind hill in front of you or this panoramic view of everything hitting over that deep building. So it's harder, but it's worth first trying it. And and I just think the stretch, you know, from twelve in is just unbelievable. You know, the views and there's some good ones before that as well. I agree. I'd forgotten about fourteen. I remember walking off thirteen and I played from the lower tees. I didn't play from the elevated tees. Yeah, in the winter that's but it's a it's a long uphill hole. Um, yeah. yeah, that's well, a great yeah. hole. I, I'll yeah, tell you the cool. holes I liked. I mean, 12, 13. Well, first of all, one, I think it's mm. a great opening hole because it's uphill. And for your first time, I, everyone must be short of the green. They underestimate the length. I, I mean, I was a, um, it's got a kind of a false front. It's a beautiful hole. You climb up, you got your first real great views of the of the sea from up there. Um, 12, 13. Uh, I think 12 is a great hole. 13 is a wonderful par three. As you said, 14, the uphill um, hole is great. I like 17 um, mm-hmm. as well. And 18 is fantastic because you're playing from an elevated tee to a green on a par four that's a relatively short par four. Um, and if it's, it's windy, you... laid out in front of you, 
Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You got a view back into the town of North Berwick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the earlier holes in the front nine, I think the third's a really good hole where you drive it and it would fall down a ledge about probably two forty off the tee, which most people can make down into the yep. nice green, a thin sort of testing kind of difficult putting green, and then uh, nines are obviously really good par three the one with the bash rock right in the background right playing high and down to that you know yeah that was a great hole now that you mention it holy cow i was long there all right well and you kind of go off the back and there's uh like yeah for lack of a better term shit you don't want to be in that's exactly right yeah yeah Yeah, you're right i didn't i I didn't think of the par threes as you described but you're right. It's a great grouping of par threes. I think so. I think it kind of gets sometimes forgotten about it because people focus on the 13th. But actually, the fourth a really good par three where, you know, you have to hit up the right for it to feed down. It's got a narrow, long green, quite difficult green. And then the ninth, obviously, is, is you know, spectacular 13. And then 16. If you think about the backdrop of 16, you're standing right with behind you the you know the town and this bay sweeping around yeah. and the 18. I think it's a really good hole as well. It's got a long, kind of quite difficult, tricky par three as well. So What's your I, favorite hole on the course? Funnily enough, there's something about the third I really like, although I know it doesn't stand out as much as some of them and you know they would think it'd be one of the ones right on the coastline but I really like the way there is a nice backdrop to the side because it's got a fast rock slightly behind it so but it's just um just enjoy driving that on that hole and trying to hit it down down over you can almost carry the trees or so it's one of the few areas where there's actually a couple of trees. Yeah. You can carry them there or, or and then just a nice wedge shot in. Just like it. And the other one, 14, maybe would be the one. I think the tee shot is spectacular, 14. And then it's a nice a nice shot into the green. We've actually extended that green. So there's a it's brought up one of the bunkers. It's actually kind of short and a little bit right of the green. It's now about halfway up the green. It's a bit more of a part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, um, I've only played it once. It was a year ago. And I remember these holes, right? Which says a lot about how memorable the course is and why people from North America should want to come over and play. So when they come over to East Lothian and they play the East Links, um, what, the, what can they expect in terms of a welcome from, from you and the club? Yeah, well, I mean, you, they would always come into the pro shop, which is the, where the starters are as well. And the starters are well versed in greeting everybody and giving them a, a rundown of um, of everything they need to know. They've they've each got their little spiel that they say in their own little way, and I always laugh here and time and time again. So yeah. <laughs> it's good, you know, because they do a good job with that. We're, we're really lucky. We've got really good stars in here, really friendly, good guys. And they, they've been here a while. They know what they're saying. They, they talk you through the fact that, you know, first tee's in the corner, you've got the hell. Don't worry about it too much if you're out of breath because it calms down once you get up there. And 
head out for nine holes and then you play this, you know, the scenic part three and they bring it back. So they go through everything and they're, they're really welcome. They do a really good job. Um, we've got, it, it's funny, you know, a lot of courses when you come to Scotland, you always get asked by Americans a lot of time, and I get some tokens for the range. They just assume there's a range there. And unfortunately, back in the 1890s or 1906, they didn't practice much before they went off. It right. was kind of right. a form thing, practicing, I think. So, so there was like, there's a putting green and there's nets to warm up your swing. But the practice game we have, you'd have to have probably a couple hours spare and some of your own balls to make your way up to that. And, practice it's it's in between the 16th and the 15th holes, so not that accessible yeah and that's where it's, it's fine we're, we're lucky we've got a reasonable area but some places have hardly got anything yeah well the west links doesn't have anything either right well it's out between the they've got a decent practice ground but it's a long way it's out the time oh. of 8th in between the 8th 19th yeah i've never seen that yeah, so um, no, it's um, it's a well, really friendly club. It really is. Well, Fraser, you talked about what the starters do to to make sure that everyone feels welcome, um, but you've done a tremendous job promoting the club. Um, I I went to your YouTube site and you've got a tremendous number of followers and some great videos, including how to you know hit low shots and yeah, yeah. things like that. So. Tell tell the the viewers and the listeners how they can find you on YouTube. It's it's Golf FM is the name of the site, um, and I think if you type that into YouTube, you'll tend to get me. Um, I do, yeah, as you say, a lot of teaching videos, but also a lot of reviews and things like that on on golf equipment. So it's funny when you see the the, the analytics. It's obviously a massive golf market stage, but that's like it's over fifty percent of my viewers are are in the states apparently. So oh, uh, cool! Yeah, it's quite good to see that actually, because I just imagined it would all be Scotland and UK, but no, it's states. So you can obviously understand me to some extent, which is good to good to know. <laughs> well, you're not you don't have a Glaswegian accent, which is t difficult, more difficult to understand, but. Um, well, I want to encourage people to go because I enjoyed watching some of your videos and you've got a lot of them. So, yeah, but hitting the low shots is definitely something that you could experiment with before you come because, you know, I do see a lot of people just turning up. We, where it becomes most obvious is to me is we have the U.S. Kids European Championship every year for really good young it's from all over the world, from states, from Europe. Quite they hit their drivers all the time. And it'll be into a strong sort of east cold wind coming off the sea. And they just launch this thing into the orbit. And I just, I'd be hitting it half the fight. Yeah. And I think when you grow up around here, your technique does develop in a certain way and I do see that with better players over here they cover the ball they keep the loft off it they, they have truncated follow throughs on iron shots and you're instinctively always just trying to stay out of trouble because the minute you put that ball way way higher the wind can just destroy it it's got to be such a pure shot 
and not be affected by the wind if it's high. Yeah. It, it's not that flatter flight definitely something you'll benefit from. Um, and then obviously chipping and pitching or running shots around the green. You know, I, I constantly see the log wedge coming out around the greens from tourists. You just don't need it. Yeah. But and from you'd be amazed how far off the green you can park. Yeah. Um, and then a little nine iron or eight iron shot with almost a putting action. You know, stand really close, get over it. Others. That's the way to play the shots. You, you know, I know I played in the states about myself and in Portugal and places like that. You do feel like you subloft every time you miss the green because the ball sits down. It's quite juicy, it's thick. Not like that here. It's wispy. Yeah. It's not a lot to get through. Yeah, it's something to practice before you come. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I I've seen people putt from you know seventy yards off the seventy yards might be an exaggeration, but <laughs> long ways off the green, I can tell you that. Fifty yards commonly was yeah. It's amazing how far the ball runs. You we said watching it out the window here. Downwind the 18th, 200, it's 350 yards. And there's people getting really close to the green, you know, regularly. Yeah. 100 yards sometimes. The yeah. lower flight then helps you get the run as well. Downwind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move to off the course. Obviously, from the background, the people that are watching can see that it's a beautiful area. But what's there to do off the course in East Lothian? What would you recommend? Because it's a great base to stay in in North Berwick if you can. It is. I mean, and, and the obvious thing, you know, it's really nice restaurants, cafes, pubs, that sort of thing, first of all. But then things like the, the, the obvious thing is castles and historic sites. There's a lot of those around. So... You know, Tantawan Castle's worth a visit. You can see that from uh, from the 8th tee. Right. Clear. And Darleton Castle, which is just outside North Berwick on the way to Gullin. That's another, we used to go there and see that's really interesting. Um, and then the Bird Centre, it doesn't always, you know, ring everybody's bell that the I would want to go and say bird center for, but it actually explains a lot about the area. They'll talk about you know the origins of where the why the bass rock is there and yeah general things in the area. Some really good it's a very well done yeah well operation there. It's a slick operation that bird center. So that that'd be something to, to look at. Um whiskey distilleries is one in Glen Kinchy and Kinchy. Yeah, I love that um, place. They do great tours there. Oh, you've done one, yeah. 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 I'm just getting into whiskey finally, finally after a long time with all my friends or else keep on it. And, yeah, just this year I started to, to look at that. I did the Johnny Walker experience in Edinburgh, which is yeah. um, long opened. Yeah. And, uh, that was good. That was really well done. Yeah. Really well done. What um, about um, the Aviation Museum? Have you been there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, I've been there. Yeah, uh, Concord's there. You can climb up the steps and go to Concord. Can't go on a flight, obviously, but it's um, it's quite impressive to see. 
That's that's a yeah, that's a good attraction actually. It's really well done as well. It's worth a visit. Yeah, it's funny because we live living in Atlanta. We have Delta's headquartered here, so we have a lot of pilots oh, here, yeah. and our our trips. We have a fair number of pilots that go on trips, and uh, we always want to send them there to see the because they're obviously huge fans of aviation. So, uh, what are your? What, I want to go back to golf for a minute. I, I I shouldn't have left so quickly. What What are your favorite courses in the area? Like, if you weren't playing um, the East Links, where would you Where would you like to play? Or what? Where's a what would be a favorite course that someone in the States might not have heard of? Um, I mean, my, my personal favorite outside of what's safe, my home course is, is the Westlake. I, I really like the Westlake. I think it's got a lot of character. Yeah. The downside now is it's really busy and it's quite expensive. Uh, if that doesn't bother you, then you need to play. Um, ones that are a bit lesser known. In the area, um, yeah, I, I sometimes hesitate to say Kilspindy because it's really, really short, but it is quite an interesting, fun golf course to play. You know, it, but you do have to bear in mind it is very short. There's some par, quite a few par fours that you will, you might not even need a driver on. Yeah. They're about 267 or something. So it's, and the, I think it's back to back ones like that. Yeah. So it, it's, but that that will be one maybe that you hadn't heard of. Long Nitri is actually really good. Harry Court design, I believe. Um, and plays slightly more inland feel the way they've got it. It's actually a really good sandy soil that Long Nitri. It's a good course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Dunbar, I, I would say that's not unheard of because I mean, right? They're, they're actually they do pretty well. Um, that is a really good one. Um, Luffness, I suppose it's quite difficult, I think, to get on. Well, difficult as in they don't have many days where I don't think there's many times per day that visitors can go on it. Right. But it's it's almost like. Like a version of one of the Gullen courses, but flatter. It's down. I mean, it's right it across goes, the street from Gullen, right? It right, runs. It borders number three, basically. Yeah. So you're you can end up on Loughness if you pull it left. One of the holes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's you actually, mentioned you mentioned Kilspindy, um, and our guests love it there. And the they, bar is really nice, being in the old locker room bar. That's yeah. very cool. Some bars really. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's so your What's your favorite course in all of Scotland? Um. If if I'm pushed into it, and I have to pick one. I, it's actually one of the newer ones. I like King's Barns. That that left a mark on me. You know, because yeah. I suppose growing up here, you're not as in all of the history, because you you kind of take right. it all for granted a bit, so it doesn't have to be old to be good, almost right. in a way. There's a, sometimes I think when you're coming over from other parts of the world, you maybe want that 
history and that tradition or whatever. But right. I think personally the setting and the fun that you have on it, I really liked it. Um, and then another one that I was surprised how much I liked it more too. I, I didn't um, expect on on the TV kind of looked quite flat to me, and and it there's a lot more to it in terms of the you know slopes and uh, what course is this? I'm sorry, Royal Troon. Royal Troon. Okay, yeah. So I kind of was quite impressed by that. I know they're bigger names, but um, that's you know I thought they my absolute favourites. And the Westlinks, I still really like. Yeah. I biased about that for a long time as well. I was there for over 20 years. So. Well, what course anywhere in the world would you like to play? That's a pretty easy one, Augusta. As, as a lot of a lot of golfers would say, I'd like to come out with something a bit more highbrow and a bit more off, off the charts maybe, but Augusta, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to take that off. Have you ever played it? I haven't. Um, I've had a couple of friends play. It's, you know, I, I mean, there there are probably three courses here in the states: Pine Valley, Augusta, and Cypress that are very tough yeah, to get right. on. And w- which I, is one of the things that I like about Scotland. There are very few exceptions to golf yeah. courses that you know that where you can't get on. And um, my guess is because I know members of those exclusive clubs, I could get on if I really wanted to, like Loch Loman or Skibo oh. or Renaissance. I could get on those, but um, if that's the reason I probably don't talk about those naturally, Renaissance and Archerfield. When I'm when you ask me about the area, because because of the accessibility issue, yeah, you know, because it's can get on it, uh, but it, I mean, it's expensive, but very low-key, and it's kind of kind of key. Well, we really haven't talked about Muirfield either, Fraser. No, which I know. Is, I mean, it's, a, it's nearly impossible to get. I mean, they do have tea times, yeah, but getting one is very difficult. Yeah, and it's really getting expensive again. Uh, but, I mean, we were talking about this, the expense side of it, a lot of your clientele um, probably is, is secondary because of the fact that they can, can actually get on these goals. Right. Because, you know, if the, the equivalent golf course in the States would probably be member only, and you right. have to know. So, this, right. like you just said, I mean, the fact that you get on them in the first place is amazing. Well, when I get invited to play Augusta National, you'll be the first person I call. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good example, Fraser, because you would gladly pay the airfare to come over and play there. It wouldn't matter what it's going to cost. And I can see why that happens coming to Scotland because St Andrews will be in the same league, a dream course. To someone in the states, as Augusta is to me, you can get on St Andrews, right? But right. I can't. So it's it wouldn't matter what they say it's five hundred pounds or whatever. Yeah. Well, I've got one last question for you, 
And earlier you talked about some of the shots that are required, hitting it low, both off the tee and in your approach, not trying to hit, you know, a flop wedge from around the green, but whether bump and run or putt it. But what other advice would you have for someone coming over and playing Lynx golf for the first time? Um, one of the things would be to pack enough warm clothing, that's for sure. Because or be prepared to spend on money, spend money when you get here, buying extra layers and woolly hats. Because you could come in July, and you can start the day in a t-shirt. By the time you're halfway round, you need a woolly hat and a windshirt and a, a padded jewelry because it it can cloud over. The wind can pick up, and suddenly it's free comparatively when you started. I mean, it, it's notoriously difficult to get up in the morning in Scotland and know what clothes to put on for the day. You're thinking, well, I'll start with this. Right. I might not finish with this. And it's annoying. That's just the way it is. We always have extra layers in our bags when we go out and play. Can you recommend a pro shop where people could buy woolly hats, waterproofs? <laughs> yeah, you'd probably find them in these links pro shop pretty Readily, yeah, but I mean, it's a good excuse to buy uh, souvenirs a lot of the time. People, you know, pack stuff if you want, but sometimes you buy it necessity. And you, most of the stuff at the bigger club logos, like all my stuff, still right? You know, that used to be it's funny that the members at the Westlake didn't want the logo on stuff, so they used to come in and say, Oh, I just set up for you to so we had to stop when the tour is finished in October and get all non-branded clothing. But it's too difficult to do. So I'd just take the decision everywhere. It's actually the members here more like it. Especially now we've tidied it up. It's a little bit uh, neater. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, uh, that'd be my one big advice uh, I'd Yeah, that was the main thing. It was yeah, yeah. it was the shot selection and yeah. things that I see people making mistakes with. They they think if you look at the average temperature or something for July, they'll think they'll be okay with this. Yeah, maybe one layer, but it doesn't work like that when the wind gets. Well, I, in all seriousness, I do agree with you. If you come over in July and it turns cold, there's no point to have packed a hat and, um, you know, sweaters. You might as well buy them in the pro shop. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not terribly yeah. expensive, and you will go home, and you're probably going to buy souvenirs anyway, right, or some logoed items. Yeah. Well – Frazier, I have to tell you, it's been a pleasure having you. Wonderful talking with you. I'm glad that, that you were able to join us and we could learn more about the East Links in North Berwick. And uh, for any of you listening or watching, uh, I encourage you to go to YouTube and um, type in Golf FM. That's a wonderful uh, play on, uh, on words, so to speak. But thank you very much for being with us. We enjoyed it very much. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you again to Frazier for coming on the Travel Rolly podcast. 
uh, we really appreciate hearing all about the Glen and uh, the courses around that area. Uh, if you liked this podcast, please like and share. Subscribe so you know when the next video comes out. And we'll see you next time.